0: Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Lederman Doan, who will be sitting in for Matt Watson today. Lederman, what's up? Well...
1: Thank you so much for the invitation. Just glad to be here.
0: Yeah, we're going to we're going to tell an interesting story involving many countries, many nations. Um, I see here on my notes as well that you speak English, Spanish, Italian, and Portuguese.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So uh, would it be possible for you to say hello, startup uh, hello, startup, hustle listeners in one of those languages so we can prove that this is true? The
1: startup part is probably ah. a, yeah, because <laughs> it's one of those that I don't even know. What do we anyway, it, it, Spanish is my first language, <laughs> and I have to think about what do we call startups? That's a good point. Uh, you know, uh, compania maybe, but uh, pequena empresa, yeah, pequena empresa is what we call it. Portuguese, Portuguese would be uh, Italian would be a uh, pickling empresa. So, uh, I, I, I assuming that that's that's the term terminology they use in uh, pequena.
0: Well, I'll let you, I'll that's let bon. you, I'll let you think about uh, it. I mean, and, and, and if at any point you want to drop some. Uh, any of those languages on us. So, yeah. uh, Lederman, you're the, the founder of blue point two yes. and you guys do med- You have a lot of medical system solutions. Um, I believe that largely related to technical solutions and different stuff like that, uh, uh, document transfer. And that's some of the stuff we want to talk about, but you were recommended because one of our former startup hustle Guests and friends, Donald Hawkins has told us that you have quite the story (laughs) of entrepreneurship, um, including, you know, like, oh, just you know, it's probably best told by you. But I mean, what you've been, you've lived in many countries,
1: but I believe we're going to start in Venezuela, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess we can start with Venezuela, and yeah, Don is 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 an unbelievable guy. He and I are become you know really good friends we're part of a uh, pipeline entrepreneurship Yeah. so we're on the fellowship program this year and uh you know as we get together and we talk and and talk about our businesses and in personal matters um i think he's, he's taking a quite of an interest in 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 my kind of uh beginnings probably but um and it's awesome guy and awesome program by the way pipeline entrepreneurship but um so, yeah, I I think the story that he refers to, part of it, is probably how I became an entrepreneur. I think I was probably 13, 14 when it started with a orange, uh, a orange juice stand in one of the plazas, you know, one of the squares in the city. And this is in Venezuela? In Venezuela, okay. in a small town called Acariwa. was in the middle of the country. is farm town, and is a town that... Uh, it's just two little towns together about, uh, you know, two to 300,000 people. So not too little, but you know, it's well, big enough. Yeah, yeah. Big enough. So um, here you
0: are, you're 13 and you have a, an orange juice. Is that yes, what you
1: said? Okay. Yes. So we notice first of all, you know, Venezuela, tropical weather is hot mm-hmm. and we see this orange juice is popping up all over, you know, but people would just go and typically, you know, open or do their orange juice stand in a, on a shade, in a, in a, you know, kind of driving the traffic to you. And then we realized that why don't we just put it right in front of the bus stations when everybody's getting out of the bus and, you know, they're super hot. and and uh, But that required for us to be there, right, on the hot spot too, right? So we did that over one summer. Um, so, you know, didn't have a school. So what do we do? Let's go ahead and, and, and do this. So we started doing that and uh, it grew fast. All of a sudden, you know, we have multiple around the city and and, and, uh, we we were facing the challenges of being entrepreneurs at the age of 13, 14. You know, how do you manage people? You hire people. You make sure they don't steal from you and just you add more water to the juice and stuff like that. And you build the tables because you need to save money. So you got to build it on your own and you got to wake up at 5 a.m. And, you know, in the the summer uh, day just to go and get all the oranges because they got to be fresh and. You know, so, so we learned a lot. Then we went back to school, right? And we now had employees and we had things to take care of, you know, wake up. So here you
0: are, you're going back to school, you're 14, which is when most people go to high school Yeah. and you guys have employees now. Yeah. Okay. With a whole bunch of orange juice stands all over.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it was, it was a lot of fun and, but we had to wake up early, right. And really early before school. School started, I think it was about around 7.15, something like that. So maybe 4.30 or 5 o'clock, just getting the oranges and getting everything set up and driving around town with all the tables and all this stuff and dropping it off and making sure people would show up, right? And, and if they didn't, then what was the plan, right? Because we had to go to school. Um, so we had to work through that, right? And then we would go back to school. And then right after school, we had to go collect money you know, make sure people were still there and you know, stuff like that. So so that brought a lot of uh, interesting challenges. Um, the, the other thing that we did at high school, which uh, Donald thinks is super um, funny, is that we sold condoms. Okay. So, <laughs> so my friend and I, we bought a, a huge box of condoms from a distributor. Somehow we, I, I don't even remember how we got in touch with this guy and we just but everything that he had, you know, like we'll, we'll buy the whole, the whole, you know, container of condoms or not a container, but, you know, boxes of condoms. And then we did that. We bought it. We bought them. And then we're like, OK, we're going to sell it to our friends. Right. So we're in high school. Right. So we started talking to all the guys. Hey, guys, you know, we, we have condoms and nobody wanted to buy the condoms. <laughs> I mean, no friend wanted to buy condoms. I'm like, what the heck? We, we, we know you need them. But they, they, they didn't want to, right? So, so we had to change the strategy. How do we do this? How do we, they were, we had to figure out why don't they want to buy them? And, well, probably they're afraid, probably they're, you know, it's, it's a little, you know, they, they don't want to admit anything to anything with, uh, you know, to whomever, right? Or they don't want us to talk about it or whatever it was. So we said, well, what if we talk to the girls? You know, we, we know who the girlfriends are. So what if we just talk to the girls and let them know that we're sell- selling condoms? <laughs> and that's all we need to do. Let them know we're selling condoms and we're doing this for them. It's not for the guys, for for them. Of course, the girls would like, what the heck are you talking about? Get out of here. Right? But then the boyfriend would come over and say, hey, so about those condoms. <laughs> So, you know, they, they wouldn't they wouldn't say anything to us the girls but they would send their boyfriends to hey, just go buy condoms, right? So, uh we've been a pretty good business out of it and we were really proud to say that there were no pregnancy. So <laughs> in, in <a> graduation <laughs> class. <laughs>
0: so so at, a, at an early age you find yourself hustling. That's a strange mix. Um, we talk about supply chain management, you're distributing condoms and selling orange juice (laughs) um so and you know i talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and you know i mean i was i while i sold different products i was the same way Uh growing up did a lot of different things um so you realize that at at an early age that entrepreneurship agreed with you yeah um worked through some supply chain management problems yeah all right so now i i I'm sensing that you're 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 most of us at that age are now feeling it. We're like I knew by that age that I was a hustler, yeah, when I just say hustler, I was good at selling things I was entrepreneurial, I was always looking at like what can I buy? what can I sell? what can I do? what can yeah. I market this and this and that so that ends up bringing you here, yeah, later on down the road so. And and I and this is and and so you then came from Venezuela to the United States as a college student.
1: I did, I did. So, so I think you know when you refer to hassler, I think we are we all are hasslers. The thing is, do we want to face it or not? Oh, I own it. I I admit it openly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but, but a lot of people don't. Right. Yeah, A lot yeah, of, yeah. yeah. But but they have it inside themselves. Yeah. It's just it's just, you know, sometimes the convenience and the comfort is is too great to go ahead and disrupt. And hasslers, like what you refer to, right, is you know, comfort and convenience sometimes is is too difficult to bear. It's just too boring. It's just you know, so we, we look for for what else? You know, what else can I do that will put me on the edge and will make me figure out what's on the other side of you know that edge or that take that turn but instead of being concerned about what's out there on uh, you know around the corner maybe i won't do it we we just like i want to see what's out there we just go and take that turn right sure so uh, well i compare that to some you know sometimes
0: you jump and then build wings um and and, you know you kind of did that it's funny you talk about selling condoms or whatever sometimes you got i mean it's hard to sell stuff you don't have right so, sometimes you have to, you know, procure some inventory. You may have gone a little, um, and no pun intended here, a little deep with <laughs> the inventory procurement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, and, and back to the induction. So, you know, a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people realize, or maybe they do. So, I, you know, at Full scale, we employ a lot of people that are not, uh, they're not U.S. citizens. Yeah. Um, they live in the Philippines. We have an office in Cebu City in the Philippines, and they do a lot of work for a lot of people that are here. And a common question that I get from people or potential clients, they say, well, what if I want to bring these people over here to train with us? And we take that as uh, as really being matter of fact, as if that's really easy to do. Yeah, And it's not. It's not. It's actually really difficult. Like the ability for me... To, all right. Let's just say a client has a team of 10 people. If they really wanted to bring all 10 of them over here for two weeks of training and stuff like that, that's actually pretty difficult. It's it, extremely difficult. It depends yeah. on what country you're coming from. And there's mm-hmm. different rules and there's different things. And as a U.S. citizen holding the passport that we hold, we have almost like magical powers Yes, when it comes to being able to enter – exist function and do things in foreign countries but it is not reciprocal correct so from you first came here from venezuela as a college student right correct so that was a student visa a little easier to procure right
1: uh still extremely difficult but but actually I, i came here with a visitor's visa okay so i i went and applied for uh, at the, at the American embassy in Caracas, Venezuela. Yep. For a student visa. And they denied the visa.
0: See, and that's my point exactly. Yeah. Like, was there a reason for it or?
1: Well, yeah. The reason is as a student, international student, you typically pay around three times more in tuition. And then on top of that, you have to pay that you have to have an account With not just that, but also all the cost of living for a full year, Mm. right? So depending on where you're going, that might be a lot. Correct. So,
0: and I'm not completely familiar with the the economic differences between the United States and Venezuela, but I'm going to make the assumption it's a lot more expensive here. Oh,
1: correct. So
0: the income that you require in a foreign country to pay your bills and exist and live, Mm -hmm. like it's usually not in the same comparison. So being able to accumulate that money Correct. to have not only the tuition, but your 12 months of expenses, is yes. pr- it makes it really difficult unless you're from a wealthy family.
1: Correct. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So you could be very talented, but you don't come from a wealthy family. And then most likely... Uh, your visa will get denied. Now that doesn't mean that it should stop you. There are other ways, right to figure out programs that will sponsor a very smart kid and stuff like that. But at the time I came as a so so they denied my student visa request, right? which it was like a six month process just to get the appointment. Then you bring all your paperwork to the to the embassy. And you are in line for hours, and finally it's your turn. And this guy just looks into my eyes and says, "Nah, you just want to stay there and live in, in the U.S." Denied. I mean, he didn't even ask questions, right, or anything. So I'm completely heartbroken, and he does a big denied on the paper, but he didn't do it on the on my tourist visa. And then I'm, I see an opportunity right there, right? I'm like, okay. This guy did not or denied my student visa and put a big denied on, a, on another part of the passport that wasn't on, on, the, on my visitor's visa. So I called the college that I wanted to go to, which I didn't speak any English at the time, uh, zero. So um, and what I wanted to study first was English as a second language. So and and I wanted to go to New York or LA. Obviously that was not possible. That was, you know, a hundred thousand dollars a year, something like that for somebody like me. And I didn't have that kind of money. You know, selling condoms was good and orange juice was great, but <laughs> not to that level, right? So um, so I, I, I had my savings. I'd been savings for like three years and I told all my friends and family members, I'm going to move. I'm going to leave the country. I see that uh, I need to see the world and, and I want to know what it looks like. And I want to put myself on uncomfortable situations and see if I can overcome that. Nobody believed me. Nobody, you know, nobody thought that at the beginning. They thought, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Good, good idea. Right.
0: But then I would. I, mean, I, would, I think. A, I think it. Probably. My. My guess would be that a lot of people were saying that. Yeah. And they'd say it a lot, and then most of them, it probably never became or becomes a reality. Right.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, it's like imagine Bezos saying, "I'm going to build a website where I'm going to sell absolutely everything, and I'm going to disrupt all the markets." And <laughs> yeah, You're sure. Like, sure, sure, you yeah, are great. Yeah. 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 Good luck with that, right? But anyway, so it's it's similar, you know. even the people that love you at the beginning, they go, Yeah, sure, we, we wanna encourage you and that's great. You know, follow your dreams, that's good. But then there's a point where they're like, He's not gonna do it. Right. And I would hear my parents saying to their friends, he's just not gonna go anywhere. We're fine here. He's gonna go to college in Valencia, which is where I raised was raised. And we had an apartment there and I'm he's just gonna be fine, he's gonna stay here. Right. So so that that bothered me. So I kept you know, saving money, working as hard as I could. You know, mowing yards for all my neighbors. still with the other two businesses with my friend. We were selling t-shirts too. We were doing a bunch of things to, you know, for me to get money. I guess well, that was my goal. So, visa is denied. The stu- the 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 uh, the request is denied. The tourist visa that I I had was not denied, which is what he intended to do. But he he put the Big denied somewhere else. So um so I called a college here in Kansas City. And by the way, it was Kansas City because a friend of mine, a guy that used to work for my dad, kept saying, Hey, I have a friend in Kansas City, he can help you out. I'm like, why would I go to Kansas City? You know, we have plenty of cows here where we live. Yeah, I'm not going there. But
0: you know, I never, I lived in Kansas City my whole life, pretty much, and I don't really ever see cows. I know, exactly, why, right? It's a city here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know, it's it's a city. I've had people when I've traveled overseas and they hear Kansas or Kansas City, they're like, So there's cowboys? I'm yeah, like, Yeah, exactly. no, yeah. No, no. No, I never see cowboys yeah. either.
1: Yeah. yeah, unless you go to yeah. those very specific bars. Yeah, well, know, sure. You gotta go but, looking at yeah, them. Yeah, you gotta go uh-huh. look at, you know, and, and it's great, but you don't
0: see, yeah, right? But it's the perception. Yeah, so, but now, so now you're headed to Kansas City, which by the way, At the time, I mean, I've talked to a lot of people that have moved to a lot of different places and it's easier to get to places like Kansas City because it's not the expense that New York has. exactly. And also, um, there's a big demand in line. Don't they let, isn't part of it, it, like they're going to let so many people relocate to New York, LA or whatever. Like some of the cities are actually easier to get into for purposes of expense, but also that there's not a huge demand or line.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
0: I've I've actually talked. To, I've actually now. talked to people in different um, cities and that have come from other places. And I would say, well, why did you choose here? The line was shorter. Oh, uh, so yeah. I mean, I'm,
1: who knows? Could be. Could okay. So
0: so here yeah. you're now. You see a crack, and you have an opportunity yes. to make it to Kansas City.
1: So I show up to here Kansas City with our City. cowboys and our cows. Right. I show up to Kansas City with uh, about two thousand dollars, and I pay the first twelve hundred bucks to. To go to college and uh, enroll myself in an English program, English as a second language. So you came came
0: here, you had $2,000. Yeah. Two grand total. Total. No job, no income. No job, no income. And you came here as a visitor? As a visitor. Okay. (laughs) Which, by the way, you were only supposed to stay for so long, right? You're
1: supposed to stay for
0: six months. Okay. That's
1: actually a long time. That's uh, that's
0: not, not okay. So during that time, you were then, you did enroll.
1: Yeah. And, okay. I, and I had to figure out what to do and how to extend my stay, right? So I had to figure and out what to just, do. With
0: and you also just spent sixty percent of your
1: available money. Yeah. On school. Correct. So and I didn't have a car and I lived in Lenexa and college was in KCK. Uh, and
0: for those of you not from here, that's about thirty minutes away. Yeah. yeah so th- I had about a
1: thirty-minute span. With no public transportation. Yeah, from and one there's place not the buses. Other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I had to figure out transportation too. So I took a a taxi the first day, right? It cost me $45. I was going to say expensive, yeah. (laughs) I think it was $45. So I show up to the college, you know, at $45 less, right? And I'm like, today before I go home, first of all, I don't know how I'm going to get back to where I'm staying, right? Because I can't pay another $45. So somebody's going to have to give me a ride. So I'm going to have to convince somebody figure out who has a car from and his you, place. And you don't speak English. I don't I speak English. And I show up to to <coughs> to to the school, right? And they're like, okay, I think the question, well, what's your name? And I said, I'm from Venezuela. And they right away pointed to the classroom number one. And they're like, okay, you go there. <laughs> like the most basic, you know, class. And I'm like, okay, now. And this is literally like, Kindergarten English, yeah, yeah right. exactly, yeah. exactly. They were teaching me the colors, the numbers, right. yeah, you know, all that. So that's how that's how it started. But uh, but then I met a, a guy there who had a car. I say, hey, could you give me a ride? And and he was another entrepreneur. The guy and the guy's like, I'll give you a ride today, but do you need me to pick you up tomorrow? Like, like, that would be awesome. Amazing. It's like, it's like $30, $30 a week, and I'll pick you up and I'll drop you off. Okay, there you go. So sounds like a pretty good deal. So it was a pretty good deal. Yeah. So so, <laughs> so right away I solved the problem. I solved
0: it. I'm assuming problem. this was another Spanish-speaking. Yes. Okay. So yeah. that makes sense for you yeah. too. All right.
1: Yeah. But uh but anyway, so so long story short, you know, every th- every single thing was new to me. The first time I saw a person that I knew. Here in Kansas City, from my life, you know before I moved here, was two years later every every interaction with every person, every street every everything was new to me for two years
0: and not only that, all right, so you talk about all right, so when I traveled to the Philippines in cebu Cebu is I, I refer to it as being very user friendly yeah. for Americans because all the signs, everything's in English. now, when I was in Belarus last year not the case right most people don't speak english nothing is written in english unless you're in like the hilton so i mean and and i got a taste of that nothing like what you went through but like my taste was i went to the mall and i walk up and i start talking to someone they're just looking at me like basically like yeah what 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 the fuck did you just say (laughs) because i don't speak english yeah and i was like wow and it like all of a sudden, like, and that was really at, at that point, and here I am, I'm in my early forties at this point, that was really the first point in my life where I was ever really somewhere. And I really had the thought, I was like, if I really needed to communicate with someone here, yeah, I would have a very difficult time. Now, fortunately, there were enough people still, like a lot of people, Engli- if you speak English, it's easy, easier to find other people around the world that seem to speak English. Yeah. But, I, you know, now if you put yourself in that situation, like the, I doubt there's any many people at all that speak Spanish in Belarus. Exactly. It's like a Russian country. But, yeah, that feeling of, of kind of like going, wow, I could get – I could I could probably just disappear here. <laughs> and it might take someone a while to find me. And I would imagine that you felt that way most days. Oh, yeah.
1: It, it's funny that you say that. That's how – so later on I found a job. I started working. Uh, Working as a bass boy at, at a restaurant here, Classic Cup Cafe on the plaza. Okay, right. And uh, so I would finish school at one o'clock, and I had to get to my job at four o'clock. And for that, I, you know, it took me like two hours in public transportation from KCK to the plaza. And, or maybe an hour and a half and, or And, so, and so. by
0: the way, once again, for those of you not in Kansas yeah. City, we don't have a very efficient public transportation exactly. system, exactly. if it even exists. Everybody has a car. Everybody has a car, and things are really spread out here, so it's yeah. not like... You, you know, you typically, it's a ways from one right. point to the next. And then, in the, and then Kansas is split by, in two states and in Missouri, they have better public transportation than they do in Kansas. And sometimes yeah. you got to be in both places. So,
1: exactly. And, not and, that was, and that was my case. I lived in one state in the state of Kansas, but mm-hmm. I worked in the state of Missouri and the area where I lived in, in the, in the Kansas side was, was, you know, kind of, uh, it uh, was somewhat of a bad area at the time. Um, and, um, and I worked at this place, really nice, you know, Country Club Plaza, this restaurant as a bus boy. And I worked long hours and I would leave, I would get out of there around 1030, I think. And I had, I had to take the last bus that would drop me off in the downtown of Kansas City, in the Missouri side, and then pick, take the last bus that would take me to Kansas City, Kansas on the Kansas side. And then I had to walk around, uh, I think, like 20, 23 blocks. Um, a couple miles. Yeah. yeah. In the middle of the night, you know, kind of in, you know, <laughs> it, it was a scary town. And what what you're saying, I mean, I could easily disappear here. Yeah. That's how I felt every night. I mean, not to mention, and let's
0: throw the realist part of this is like, I mean, here you are walking around. It's mm-hmm. admittedly not the greatest part of town. Right. But imagine that. You got hassled occasionally. Yeah. What are you but, doing here? I know. <laughs> Why you? What, what What are you up to? I'm just trying to walk home. But but if you speak nine words of English, or I would imagine now, now. but here's the thing: is like you speak four languages now. So at some point, yeah, you didn't speak. You spoke Spanish, but you didn't speak Italian. Maybe no. Portuguese. No, no. okay, because Portuguese is the native language of Brazil, right? Yeah, correct. okay. So there were a lot of people probably in the and Venezuela and. No, really. Th- those are next door to each other. Aren't they? Yes,
1: yes. Okay. So you, we do have a big population from Portugal. Yeah, and and but they all speak Spanish. Right. right. So it's now that I mean I would hear Portuguese and the same thing with Italian. I would hear those languages, yeah. but I didn't speak
0: that. Not not common here. Yeah. So so all right. So because like I said, the the kind of what we're we're going with here is trying to give you know on startup hustle we're always trying to give you a story or a topic or information. And there's so many entrepreneurs that have come from somewhere else. And, you know, like, hey, here's a reality. Like mm-hmm. I'm a middle aged white guy that lives in the suburbs. I haven't I didn't these these kind of challenges are not not things that I ran into. They were I've always lived in this that I've always spoken English. I'm a yeah. terrible linguist. I failed Spanish in high school so bad, but you think about what you're now having to overcome. So at some points along the way, so, all right, so you have a job and you're in school. How fast did the adoption of the English language occur? And did you use things like your
1: job to try to learn more and accelerate that? That's exactly right. So that's why I chose Classic Cup Cafe on the Plaza, actually. I chose but you know, they hired me, but but I was looking for places where, I, I would, I would be forced to speak English,
0: and I had a little
1: notebook that would fit in my back pocket with a little pencil, and I carried that thing everywhere. And I would ask you questions, and you would tell me something. I would tell you just, I would ask you to write it down, or to tell me how to spell it. And people sometimes, people. One thing that I found out is that it's is innate on, on humans to be good to others. Yeah, sure. If you are asked respectfully, yeah, and in that you know that was a key to me. If I if I am good to this person and this person can see that he or she can help me, because and and I'm respectful to you know to them that they will help me out. And in most cases, ninety nine percent, ninety eight percent of the time, people would do something good for somebody else. So I would do that, and I would carry this little note pad, right? And I would make sure the next time I saw that person, that person knew that I learned from what he or she sure. taught me. Good way
0: to good way to get the – you know, this reminds me a lot. So when I uh, – I used to live in Colorado. I lived there for four years, I lived in Durango. And the whole time I worked there, I was a bouncer. <laughs> so I worked at the door of different bars. But with that, some of these bars had restaurants and different things. And at one of the places, there was uh, – Um, I can't even remember where the guy was from, but he was a Spanish speaking, you know, he worked in the kitchen and he would come up and uh, do kind of like what you're talking about. He would talk to me for a few minutes just here and there, but he was always asking me with some, how do you say this or, or asking just different things. And, and, but you saying that like he was, he was respectful and I could tell like he just wanted to learn and like, I don't know, he just wanted, I mean, really in the end, he just wanted to do better for himself. And I appreciated that. Like, I never really thought, I haven't thought about that for man a, a really long time, but he'd come and sometimes, you know, and occasionally he'd just like have something and he'd be pointing at it, yeah, you know, exactly. You'd, you'd say like, I don't, you'd say, I don't know, that's yeah. you say it like this or whatever it yeah. was or and different stuff. But, um, yeah. And, and, but then the interesting thing was, is, um, um, one day he was just gone. Oh, It was just gone and I didn't know where. And I I saw one of the other guys, I saw him with the used to see him with regularly and he had just left. Like he just one day just left. He went back to where he was from. I don't know if that was forced or something else, but he was there and then he wasn't. Yeah. So, so a lot of these guys too, that I would work around and there was a a large So, and that was Southwest Colorado, which is actually pretty close to Mexico. Like you're one state away. So there was a, a, a lot of, um, Of Latino population, but most of those folks were there working, and they would send all of their money home.
1: Yes, I mean
0: literally like ninety percent of their money they were sending home too, because it made such a significant difference there. So I wasn't really confused on many levels, like how they were even surviving and paying to get by. So it was definitely a struggle. Okay, so you're learning words. So yeah, so I'm learning words. You're in school. Yep. Yes, I am. Did you make it? I'm assuming you're. You're moving to studying things other than English at some point.
1: I did, I did at some point. So then I went to Johnson County Community College here well, But wait a minute, like,
0: yeah, go ahead. For it. After six months, how did you end up? Did, <laughs> we to <laughs> skip that part. That yeah, one. I don't want to skip that part. So, because I think that's the interesting part. Because you were here on a visitor pass, yes, which means you either got a student visa or you just stayed. Yeah,
1: so or I get, both. Yeah, or both, right? And yeah. so I got, and it, it was somewhat of both, actually. Uh, I got what is called an F-1 visa. Mm -hmm. and and, The F-1 visa is a student visa, but they give you a, uh, oh gosh, I forgot the the number. So it's
0: easier to get a student visa once you're already a student here, right?
1: It's somewhat a little, yes.
0: It's got to be a little bit easier. It's easier.
1: It's easier. And that's what I have figured out. You know, this guy will deny it, but if the college gave me this, uh, and I forgot the F-12, I think, uh, which is the form that they fill out. Requesting or basically saying the school wants this student to, to, to study here. Okay, sure. Right. So and then so you I, have an endorsement. Yeah, I have, yeah, like an endorsement. And then I use uh, I applied for an extension of my state, which they can grant it. And because I had this F12, they granted it for another six months, I think. But by December, I had to go back to Venezuela, and I did. Right. So and so now you've gone back,
0: and you don't know if you're even going to be able to come back. Correct. Okay.
1: Correct. So I don't even know if I'm going to be able to come back. Um, and I I don't remember. I didn't have to go to the embassy. I think because the F12 or oh, gosh, yeah, I think it's F12 the form. I can't remember right now. But actually, I buy my ticket. I come through Miami. I get you know through customs. I'm at customs and they sent me to this little room they said you got to go there dude there's something fishy here with your paperwork right and um so i had the cash to pay for my next uh, semester and part of my living expenses right or most of it i think you were probably
0: i would imagine you were a little nervous at that point extremely
1: nervous extremely nervous um first of all uh, you know when i went back to venezuela That first year had been so rough, everything new, everything so difficult, so out of my comfort zone um, that I really wanted to stay in Venezuela, but I didn't want to let my parents down. But my parents, I thought they were gonna say, stay here with us. And they actually said, because they didn't want me to leave the first time, right? They they say, oh yeah, I will support you. But honestly, they didn't want to. Um, But then at that time they were like, okay, you definitely made the right decision. You know, this country is becoming really rough for young people. So and now,
0: now you're thinking, man, I think I might want to stay here. I and they're saying, no, you did the right thing. You did the right
1: thing. And, and, just and we go back.
0: And for purposes of time, we don't have to get yeah. into it. But Venezuela's had a lot of instability with not only, I believe, their, yes. their political leadership, but also just yeah. like their economic. Oh, yeah. Then they devalued their money at some point. Yes. There's issues with oil and just stuff like that, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah w- w- the inflation is over, is in the thousands. Right. Uh, and, um, so yeah, is uh, s- scarcity is humongous and yeah, you know, the struggles are very real. And, and so I, when I, when I made the move here it was definitely the right time, uh, not knowing that the, you know, the backhoe was coming, sure. but, but it did.
0: So, but, but, but now you're stuck in a room in the Miami yeah. airport and yeah. probably going, oh shit, am I about to, right. are they going to send me right back?
1: Oh yeah, they were. And that's what they said. You're going back you you want to stay here and uh, your your paperwork is not it's not complete you should have gone to the embassy and get the f1 visa there or, you know the student visa did they send you back and and they they were going to and then one guy uh, kind of the the lead um custom person you know comes to me and, and and says look at me look in my eye look at me in the eye and tell me what is it really that you want what do you want to do here? Um, and I said, well, what I really, really want is to finish my English. You know, be able to pass the TOEFL test, which is what you really need to be able to go to college, right? I want to improve my English. That's that's really my goal. And the guy says, all right, show me all that money you got there. And he does the math, and he makes a phone call, and he calls the the college um, that day and somehow they get hold of one of the teachers or something. Um, and the guy asks, is he a good student? Does he show up? Is he, is he really, which by the way, they don't do this. Yeah. This is, this is not a typical, right. this guy. I think
0: normally they just say they point back yeah. in the direction you came from. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And that's it. But this Because
0: by the way, there's a lot of people that. Yeah. That are getting turned away. Yeah. And that's actually like when you travel, that's why they're so persistent about, do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have all that? Because these countries don't want you showing up on their, on their, on the shore. And now it's a problem. Yeah. So. So this guy, this guy at this point is, is, and do you even know his name? No. But think about it. Like that guy changed your, is about to change your life one way or the other. And And he did.
1: Right. And he did. And I think of him quite often. And I, and I pray for him and I, I think this, I mean, this guy changed my life, right. right? He gave me an opportunity. He saw something on me and he went out of his way because in, in, I, in, in my, in my head, I also think that this guy somehow thought that I was, I was worth it. You sure. Know, I was worth it. Which a,
0: is weird. Cause at that point, like realistically, I mean, let's, I always like to, to, I consider myself a realist. There's a reality of everything. Yeah. Guys in those jobs, they're running into a lot of bullshit and a lot of I people. Know, there's yeah. a lot of people showing up that, I mean, that mm-hmm. that you're in and you know, like it's just, you're just another number Yeah. at that point point, they're trying to do their job. Yeah. So that this point, this guy has a gut feeling yes. or something. Yep. Maybe he senses like, I don't know, like there's a weird, like you can't really explain the gut. Exactly. You, you know, but he clearly sees it. And now, but think of it also back to the reality. It's easier for this guy to just point and say, go back. He didn't
1: even have to do anything. The right. decision He didn't had have to be do anything. Made. You know, he's
0: calling. He, right. It's been made. He's calling colleges, getting a hold of teachers, stuff like yeah. that. What do you think? What do you think made? What do you think made
1: him do that? You know, I think it's what you said. Is that gut feeling just had, by you, looking you at me a... and he thought, you know, this guy is different. I think. I think is what he <laughs> thought. Um, this guy is is just different. And but think about
0: the questions he was asking. Is he a good student? Does he show up? Yeah. He just wants to see if you care.
1: If I care, if you're here,
0: if you want. And and honestly, that guy's really good at his job. Yes. Yes. Because he wants to make sure you you want to come in for the right reasons. Because yeah. let's be realistic, a lot of people don't.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then a lot of people are full of it, but. And we'll get to this here in a minute, but that was clearly a good decision because you've actually become a very successful business
1: person here. Yeah. Um, but all right. So he lets you in. Yeah. And now what? He lets me in. Not only lets me in, he approves the visa right there and there in front of me. He's the manager. He's the, you know, whatever it is. That, so when he approves that, he now approves how much it. time do you get? Is uh, that or Two is, years. Oh, that's two a years. lot. Okay. I that. get two years of oh, man. visa. All I have to do is did you cry study. After, Did you cry? Oh my afterward? God, yes, I would have. Yes, I, I I missed my flight, connecting <coughs> flight, obviously, and I oh, had well. to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm. i in. I'm, yeah, yeah. I can stay here. I can go back to. That's a
0: big window compared to like six months. Yes, I mean you can get a lot done in two years. Yeah, yeah. You, right.
1: you get you get a two year, um, visa student visa, right? And you have to, but I think every year you have to get the paperwork that the college has to sign off. Who cares? Yeah. You're good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. So I came, right? I, I'm, I, I, so I, I'm here. I'm learning English. I jumped in my English classes from, there were five levels and I jumped from level one to level four in just one year. Um, so, because I was a studying every day. Yeah. I mean, that's all I was doing. Well, I, I think go, at
0: some point I would imagine that two-year window also like, I mean, that removes the, the having to always think about that. It may have did it did it create a feeling of permanence, even though it wasn't. Like um, you say, hey, I don't, I I have time, I can do this. Like right. I don't have to worry. In six months, I got to do this again, because you could have actually left and then come back, right? During that two year window, like now yeah. with that approved, like you can travel back and forth yeah, between yeah. home. And and so many people I know that have come from, from other countries, they're insecure about doing that on some levels because getting back is always the challenge. Like there's so many stories and issues and things that could come up, but now you actually have a green, that green approved stamp, which you're, you you don't have to wait in embassy lines and do other crap.
1: right? Right. For that period of time. So, so just to give you an idea, that was 1995 when I came here, it was 1996 when I got you know that student visa, and it was two thousand and nine when I was able to become citizen. And between uh, 1995 and two thousand nine, I was sent to the little room. I don't know how many times, I mean, so many times, because as you're changing status, it all also creates red flags. And then we had 9-11 at one point and I yeah. was a student True. and, you know, they did not renew my student visa because it's 9-11 and all the students are being looked into, you know, very, you know, what the country had to do at that time. Then I'm in limbo. Uh, I mean, it, the, I, I was picked up at work by immigration one time basically they come over here handcuff me you know you coming with us and then I had to go in front of a judge and present my case and I was in deportation removal or whatever process is i know I know the immigration law in this country like i mean it's I unbelievable, imagine, yeah. but but I had to go through so much and and then you know it's basically you have to leave the country or you can apply here and go in front of a judge and you know, present your case, and I did, and presented my case, and it took a long time, close to a year, I guess, preparing for my case, in which I couldn't study, I couldn't work, I couldn't do anything here. But I had met, you know, love lot my life, my wife, and we were dating, and she's American, and she says, you know what, let's, this, we'll get through this together. Um, and uh, so we did. We did it was it was nerve-wracking because if, if it doesn't get approved what do we do i mean she you know she loved me and i loved her and we wanted to be together what, what, how do we do we move to another country what do we do right but anyway we we got through it um but before that before then you know just and i know because of time maybe you want to cover a lot more stuff but but before i met her you know when when i was I got my student visa was going to college I did it again. I, I moved to Italy in a very similar way. A little better prepared, you know, paid for an apartment too, uh, with roommates there. And here in the States, I had roommates from all over the world through through my time here, my beginnings from South Korea, from Mexico, from Turkey, from you know, Americans, from everywhere, right? It's, it's always moving, figuring out, you know, new friends and moving to better area or whatever it could be. But at one point I decided, you know what? I'm going to do this again. And I moved to Italy. And I, it, it, the struggles were very similar. It was the same thing showing up in the morning to a class and asking me, you know, where are you from? And I'm, or I'm what's your name? And I'm responding, I'm from Venezuela, something like that. And they're like, okay, you go to that little classroom right there. You go with the kids. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I did that again um, in Italy. And then Brazil, I already spoke. Portuguese at the time um, had already picked it up between here in the States and in, in Italy. Um, that was a little easier and, and shorter in turn. But then when I came back, you know, I had the, the struggles of immigration again uh, with work visa, student visa and all that. Um, then got married and, you know. and uh,
0: Did that make it easier at that point? Yes,
1: it did. At that point, uh, at that point made it a lot easier. And now you get into a different process in which... Well, you just need to stay married, right? And well,
0: so you've gone through you went through the visitor visa process, yeah. the student visa process, And work There was a gap in there the work visa process. Yeah. At some point, they literally you had to go to court and make your case. Yeah. And at this point, you've been in the country for fifteen
1: years, close to that 10, yeah. 15 years, yeah, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like wow, and yeah. and still dealing with that. Yeah. Um, and you know, you talk about like the political. And, and just general turmoil, like 9-11, yeah. you, you, you didn't have anything to do with that, <laughs> but the ripple effect of some of that yeah. stuff comes in, like some of the things too. And like, I don't even know if we have enough time to even talk, get into oh, the yeah. Blue point thing, but, but this is, but this is actually. I think is, is really interesting because so many, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are international. Um, yeah. I looked at some statistics this morning in the last third. So we've had people listen to this from 176 countries. Wow, that's amazing. And in the last month it was like something like 75. Um, so, I mean, it's still regular that people are listening from all over, but I would imagine that some of them listen cause they're curious about like, what do I need to do? I want to go there. I want to do this. I yeah. want to do that. Yeah. And, 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 I think that it's important for us, for, you know, being in the United States to also like consider, well, A, I've never had to contend with any of these things. None of this stuff was ever a challenge for me. And, and think about how much, how much more difficult it is for some of those that you interact with to get to where the, you know, like, okay, you are getting to whatever point. Yeah was way more difficult than it was for me here. Cause I didn't, cause all these things are distracting. They're expensive. They're time consuming, you know, like, and then, then other things too. It's like, you just look at little things. I think that we take for granted as well, like opening a bank account.
1: Yeah, exactly. Or having
0: people are like, what's your social security number? I don't have one.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, well, you can't, you can't do anything here, sir, unless yeah. you have a social security number. Yeah. Okay. How do I make that happen? I know, you know, and you just like, I mean, and, and I've, I've gained a little respect for that. Cause you know, we own a business in the Philippines, but as an American now, I actually, ex- we actually experienced like, uh, Matt and I were, were, uh, um, were, you know, as we opened our operation in the Philippines, we actually had a bank turn us down oh, Yeah, <laughs> for being <laughs> American. And, and, uh, and I got it. I mean, maybe I'm just like spoiled or like, yeah. used to, but I was, and, and they, and our employees over there, they came back and they told us that and they said, excuse me. Yeah. They said, yeah, they, uh, they only will have, they only want X percentage of their accounts to be Americans. Yeah. And I said, "What the fuck? Like for real? Like my money's the same color? Like, look. I mean, I'm trying to put a lot of it in." And they said, "Well, we can go back." I said, "No, I don't even want to do business yeah. at that bank." But yeah. that was, I mean, and here I am once again in my early 40s. That was really the first time that that I had experienced that. Um, you know, since then, you know, we've I've now participated in owning. Uh, uh, opening or operating businesses in Belarus, United States, the Philippines. But as we consider our own, you know, expansion and the different things that we do, like we looked at things and we're like, okay, we're already in the Philippines. It's way easier to just branch out and expand there than it would be to now open an office in Venezuela, Brazil, Argentina, some of those things that, that, you know, that aren't in 13 different time zones. Right. No way. But yeah, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. And I think that really what we did here yeah. is we, we, you know, you told a story like, I mean, and I know we brought, we brought you in, we were going to talk about the company you started and that's still want to do that. By the way, you can go to blue point two, that's the number two.com. <laughs> but I, I think that this real, like I said, was a really interesting story just to give a little bit of perspective about you know, like I said, you just, it's easy to look at people at, that have art. That you are like, oh wow, that guy did great. And he's not from here. They're like, whoa. But like, for real, it's almost like you need a multiplier on that success factor. Cause the amount of bullshit and, and yeah. hurdles and obstacles and things you have to climb over. And you just even talk about other things too. Like coming here, 2000 bucks, 1200 of it goes to well, 1,200 of it goes to school. 50 of it goes to a cab ride to school. Yeah. Now you're down to 750 bucks. Think about that. Like, yeah. you don't speak the language. You had a place to live at that point. I'm yeah. assuming just
1: like being a roommate or someone. I had some, a place to stay. and I had, No job, no income. No job, yeah. And I had that, to pay this guy. I can't remember now. if It was like 400 bucks a month. He was charging me to, to sleep on his couch. You're, you're
0: broke. <laughs> yeah. You're broke the moment you got here then. Yeah. And you know like i think that you when know, we talk about being bootstrapped yeah i mean that that's pretty much the story of it so and we don't have enough time to get too far into it but i mean really the the way that that this resolves is you know you've done a lot of really interesting things you've worked for um, you know you've you've been successful in designing managing building scaling different technical solutions and sales operations for five fortune 500 companies you know, mid-sized startups in the Middle East, Europe, Latin America, here in the U S and, you know, just like continuing to do that. Um, and now, now at blue point two, you're, um, you're creating technical and medical innovations that, that you want to give us a couple minutes about what you're doing there and where, I mean, where did all this end up coming to?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, so yeah, no, no, great. It, it's um. So I worked for for uh, at one point. Finally, I was able to get into. Uh, uh, I worked for more t- multiple companies here in Kansas City, you know. But uh, you know, DST Systems, Lockline, which part of Lockton at the time, and then then I found a job at Cerner. and with with that, I, I think I developed. Um, I developed a lot of respect and also a lot of. Uh, uh, Desire to really work in healthcare, mm-hmm. um, and um, so I worked at Cerner for about eight years, seven, eight years, and I grew my career very fast at Cerner. Uh, every year was getting promoted almost, um, but it, it was a it was a wonderful um, career and great time. Some of my really good friends that are still my good friends is from my time at Cerner. So uh, I have a lot to. Uh, to thank Cerner for, and, uh, and then I went and worked for other companies, but I I always knew that I at some point I have to do my own thing, and, and I felt that everything that I had been doing in my life and I, all the challenges and all the good things uh, were training me for that moment when I could take a leap of faith and say, you know, I'm going to leave the comfort of a, of a good company and a good path to... You know th- that VP level, director level, that executive uh, level, um, and and I I need to do my own thing. And um, so so in order, just to get to Blue Point two, uh, that, you know, let's start with the name Blue Point, number two, right? When when you open your your map on your phone, right, and you you click on just to see where you are, you're gonna see a blue point. That's where you are. Now, the interesting thing is. What else? Where are you going to go to now? What is it that you're going to do? And what we want to do is with Blue Point 2 on the medical field is whatever that next appointment is, whatever it is that, uh, that care you need, we want to provide absolutely everything you need to be informed and ready and share that with the provider so they can also be informed and ready for you and take care of you. So from the forms, from the location that you need to go to, from, um, you know, uh, the instructions of what you need to do, medications you need to stop, how you prepare for your appointment, videos you need to watch, um, all of it, the transportation and, and so forth. So so that's what we coordinate. And we coordinate that um, by leveraging other companies or working with other companies as partners, uh, you know, Some of them are in the medical field, like Cerner. Um, uh, We have a good relationship with Cerner. Uh, Uber Health, you know, if you need a ride and you you have to get to your appointment, but you don't have a ride and your appointment is a surgery, let's say, you know, how do you get there, right? For the hospital, the hospital wants to make sure you show up, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So the hospital gladly will pay um, for that Uber ride just to get you there. Uh, from the transactional aspect, you know how do we transact your payments? How do we make sure you you are aware of your financial responsibilities, and that you can request a payment plan if you need to, from from um, our application. So so that's what we have built. Part of what we have built with um, BluePoint Two and our software viewpoint uh, this moment, but it, but it wasn't easy to get there, right? Like you were saying, it's 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 it's, it's always rocky, right? So. Everything started when one day I decided, okay, I'm I'm quitting my job. I, want a com- I was working for a company out of San Diego, and I'm gonna start my own thing. So I'm running around my neighborhood, and you know, I took a long run, uh, probably six eight miles, I don't know, and I'm exhausted at the end. And, and all of a sudden, an idea popped in my head. Oh my god, you know, I can do this, and this would be a great software. Right. So I get home and I get on a whiteboard that I have there and uh, I worked until like midnight. And then I wake up early and I go and meet a friend who owns a company and is a brilliant architect. Um, And I say, hey, I have an idea. Help me out with this. And we worked from like 8 a.m. until like 8 p.m. Just he and I on this room in front of this whiteboard designing this solution. And we figure it out. We figure out exactly what we needed to do, how it would work. Um, and then, you know, I start putting the marketing behind it, started developing the solution, um, and we basically developed almost to fullness uh, the this, this solution. And now I take it to the market. Right. And I go to the end users and I say, Would you use this? Would you like this? And they all say, Yes, and I love it. And that's exactly what we need. And I'm like, perfect. We are after something really good here. Now, could you buy it? And they say, Well, I can't buy it. <laughs> yep. We love it, but we yeah. don't want to pay for it. Right? Well, my boss's boss is the yeah. one that needs to buy it. So, but I can make the introduction, tell him that I really want this. Oh, that's great. You know, and then short, you know. Short after, I found out that the people that care couldn't buy it, and the people that could buy it didn't care about it.
0: Yeah, that's not uncommon. (laughs) Exactly.
1: But but I I had already developed a solution. That's that's the sales problem. You got to figure it out. And I wanted to sell it for $100,000 subscription a year, right? And a friend of mine who's a CIO at a hospital in in the West Coast said uh, he'll buy it, but only if I could do it within his discrete uh, budget. Or discretional budget. And I say, okay, let's do it because I just need people to start using this. What's your discretional budget? He says, $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's put $4,990 and he says, deal, send it to me, I'll sign it. I send it to him. He calls me and says, I'm so sorry, Lerma, I can't sign this. I know that it's within the dis- discretional budget. And I told you, but I really don't want this. <laughs> Wow. You know, I know my users say that they want it, but that's why I have them. So they can do this. I don't have to pay and automate this this piece. So I do I did what any any human being would do, right? And that was on a Friday night. I was flying out from Baltimore, I remember, at the airport in Baltimore. And I get home completely heartbroken. And uh, you know, think about it all night on Friday, all day on Saturday. What am I gonna do now? Sunday day, Sunday night, I get a bottle of wine, sit on my patio, you know, had the whole bottle of wine to myself, you know, had some tears. And I said, you know, tomorrow's another day. I have to reinvent myself again. All this software, I'm going to shelve it tomorrow and I don't talk about it tomorrow. Tomorrow is I got to figure out the next idea. I got to work on the next thing, you know, and that's it. Showed up. Um... Talk to the developers on Monday morning and said, you know what? Thank you so much, but we're done. We're done with this software. I have to go and figure something else out. And talked to my partner, you know, at, at that time, you know, that um, they helped me architect the solution and said, We're done. This is not is it's not gonna go anywhere. I have to go and figure out what's next. So I started doing services for hospital, and, and this approach was different. The next approach was instead of me coming up with an idea. I'm going to, I'm going to let people tell me what it is that they need, and I'm going to interrogate them. So I started working for hospitals. You know, I would walk the floors with the nurses, doctors, and I would do services that they would pay for in order for me to, you know, my knowledge basically in healthcare, right? And and through that, I would learn from them. What is it that you really need? What is it that would be very helpful? And how would you be able to purchase something like that? Would you have signature power on that or not? And how are the electronic medical records going to take that? Uh, Are they going to see like competitors or these other companies? And, you know, what products exist today? And I started just doing that process, right? A very lengthy process, uh, although it was expensive, but I, I was getting paid for my services to be, in these conversations with these, you know, uh, decision makers at the hospital levels. So uh, level. so I, I did that for quite some time until I figure out, okay, here is a good problem to solve and what, you know, I described as viewpoint. Uh, but now I need to go and see, is this a problem that everybody has? And then you have to see where is the market going? And there's a lot of guessing there, right? What's going to happen at the time, you know, the for- Affordable Care Act had just signed, is this going to, you know, the the rollout of meaningful use, which is, you know, part of what uh, dollars were injected into healthcare for technology, is it going to affect this and so forth. So then you go through the regular regular process of figuring out, do you have something that the market wants, right? Um, but it was different. It, at least I had a problem based on on are they do they want this? But not me developing something to then realize that the marketing wanted, right? I had not developed anything yet. But I was talking to, you know, healthcare providers out there and you know about this solution. And and that's that's what we did. And then we started just looking for organizations that would buy pieces of it. You know, okay, so out of everything that we do here. You know, would would you pay for the payment, payment processing app or the transportation app or the forms app, you know, or the texting communication with the patient and so forth? Um, so and that's how we start funding our development. It has taken longer. Right. But we haven't taken a penny from anybody. Right. Uh, uh, so it's all it's all uh, growing organically. And. Uh, you know, a lot of it has been my own money and a lot of it has been, or most of it has been clients paying for the solution. So it's always that validation process that never ends, right? That even when, when you have 50 clients now, okay, how do I get to 250? And then, you know, things in many cases have to change. You're validating your application. You're validating who those new clients will be and you're adapting and morphing into to what the market expects expects or wants. Um, So that validation process never ends, and it has never ended for us. Um, But yes, we're building something really neat. We have some good clients. We we keep getting more contracts and better contracts, and uh, we grow our team very gradually. Right, We don't want to grow up too fast when it comes to uh, Headcount and and expenses, right? We want to keep everything in check because we're still validating. The market is telling us, yeah, we like what you have, but uh, show us more, and we want to make sure that we show more before we, you know, we put more money into it. But
0: and if- and if you guys want to, if you le- listening, want to go check out what Lederman and Bluepoint Two does, you can go to Bluepoint. It's the number two, dot com. Lederman, thank you for coming in and telling us this interesting story um we uh um i mean you know like i said if, for those listening it's just it's just a, such a different reality to bring to import hustle <laughs> here into the state so um if you get a chance you can always check us out on instagram we are at startup hustle podcast lederman thanks again for coming in Matt, and, thank uh, you so much. And we're going to we're gonna keep up with the progress of Blue Point 2. Um, see you next time. <laughs> thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit StartupHustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.